0: During the last decade, there has been a cultural shift from healthy educational children's dance to harmful hypersexualized children's dance by using adult costumes, sexually suggestive choreography, and music with inappropriate and sexual themes and lyrics. My guest, Mary Bowden, is here to explain. Welcome. This is the Unconventional Ministry Podcast, where the conversation is about fresh ideas in ministry, innovative approaches, and collaborative efforts. I'm your host, Dennis Weens, Vice President for Ministry Partnerships at Sat7USA. My guest today is dance educator and author Mary Bowden. So Mary, welcome to this Unconventional Ministry Podcast.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: You know, I was reading uh, through some of the information you sent. Um, You're a dance instructor. You've been in dance uh, most of your life. You've written a book on it, uh, and this is a podcast about fresh ideas, fresh approaches, innovative approaches. And you have a book on worship and dance. That's quite interesting Mm because most people wouldn't think of that. So I'm really curious. Talk a little bit about your background. You started dancing when you were small, and you've r- written a book about worship and dance, so I'm I'm interested in this uh, career track that your life has taken.
1: Well, I uh, was the youngest of four children when I was growing up, and we moved six times in my first 12 years. And uh, all through that time, there was something in my little heart that said, Ma, I want to dance. But by the time we kept moving every now, uh, every couple months, there was no time to enroll me in dance. So actually, I didn't start dance till I was 11 years of age. But I wanted it so, so badly. I begged for it for so long that when it actually happened, actually, it was as wonderful as I had dreamed it would be. And I really think the reason is that dance, when it's done uh, as God has wired us to do it, uh, integrates mind, body, and spirit, and um, all kinds of wonderful outcomes come from that integration of mind, body, and spirit, and I was a little girl who absolutely uh, benefited from healthy dance.
0: So that's been your life, and now more recently, you've noticed a cultural shift around children's dance from age-appropriate, healthy movements to harmful, hypersexualized movements in adult costumes, choreography, and music. And so we want to, first of all, let's talk about dance <laughs> as a ministry and the biblical part of it, and then we'll get into the problem, and then you are building awareness and you bring solutions. So let's talk about uh, dance as your ministry, mm-hmm. and then the problem, and t- explain this problem, because many people probably are exposed to dance, the kids are dancing, there's competition, but they don't realize where the culture's taking this.
1: Well, I, um, I'd be happy to do that. I think uh, I'd like your listeners to know that I did not only love dance, but I got a degree in it. So I have a Bachelor of Arts in Modern Dance from the University of California at Riverside. I was highly trained in ballet, Chiquetti Ballet, in my high school years. So that's kind of my background, and then I got a master's degree in worship um, from Hope International University in Fullerton, California, and that's where I read uh, wrote a book on worship and dance in the church, and it comes from an educational uh, perspective. I think Jesus was the master educator, and I think sometimes we forget that he used the arts to show people you know, all the truths that he talked about. He was very, very creative using rocks and water and light and bread to show people uh, his father's heart.
0: Very interesting. And uh, to have that degree in ministry and dance, uh, that's fascinating to me. And you... Use that in the church? You were on staff in the church, taught dance, used dance as part of the worship experience for people?
1: I I wasn't on staff as a paid staff member. I was on staff as a volunteer, and I led a dance ministry for over 20 years. And we always prepared uh, a a dance to coincide with the sermon that was preached. So if the pastor's preaching on grace or... um, forgiveness or mercy or love, then we would choose a song uh, that would facilitate that particular theme and then share it uh, either before the sermon or after the sermon.
0: I imagine that that was quite well-received then by Our your Our church loved church. it, yeah. Right. Are a lot, lot of churches uh, having this kind of emphasis on dance and worship?
1: I um, think there's a lot of work to be done, honestly, in the field of uh, uh, dance ministry in the church, because I think sometimes people who like to dance and they're very well intended, they either know technique, which I have because I have a background in dance, or they have a heart to worship God and they show their love of Jesus by movements. But I don't know that either of those things just by themselves, will help a viewing audience to understand more about how God loves them and what the Bible says. So that's what God led me to do. Now, I am a Bible study teacher, and so I have a love of scripture. I'm an inductive Bible study person, and most mornings I spend some time on the couch studying and then asking God to show me you know, what he wants me to learn. So I think out of that educational approach came the book I wrote. But uh, to answer your earlier question, um, a couple of years ago, I was invited to go to a dance concert at a college from a little girl who I'd gray in a a musical at our church when she was little. And I was so excited. Um, It doesn't take very much for me to look forward to seeing a dance concert but when I went, I was shocked. Uh, there was a lot of hypersexualized dance. Now, that word means toxic sexual environment, hypersexualized, and a lot of hooting and hollering from men during the concert. And I couldn't believe it. That was not part of anything that I experienced uh, as a dance major. And so I thought, oh, this is an aberration. I don't like it. But it's just a one time thing until I saw it the next year when I went. And uh, I was even more disturbed because there was more hypersexualized dance, more cat calls, and there was no content in the concert. And I was so grieved. I thought, well, these are adult young people. They're past 18. They can make this kind of choice to be objectified and to really externalize the beauty of dance in a form that is distorted. But they can make their own choices and I can't do anything about it until I begin to see the same kinds of choreography in high school dance concerts, in junior high dance concerts, in elementary dance concerts, and then preschool dance concerts. And so we're we're moving into young people. And uh, the research is very clear about Harmful outcomes, not only for adults, but we're not going to circle our wagons around that issue today, but children, little people, developing brains, developing bodies, developing hearts, and how that affects them when they're exposed to adult sexual material. In essence, we're making children into many adults instead of letting them be little people and have fun.
0: And this isn't just you that see this problem. The American Psychological Association has also documented this problem. So talk to us a little bit about the research that's being done on this uh, issue.
1: I'd be happy to do that. And I should let your listeners know that everything on danceawareness.com is research-based. So we have the research uh, from the APA, but many other um, academics as well. In fact, I've interviewed them on a, a film Uh, that anybody can access for free, folks. Uh, I want to underscore that word free, uh, so that you can educate the peer group around you. The APA says a child is sexualized when they're valued only for their sexual appeal or behavior, when their physical attractiveness is equated with being sexy, when they're made into an object or when sexuality is inappropriately imposed on them. And of course, initially, when this report first came out, we were talking mostly about girls. And of course, this issue does focus on girls more than boys. But unfortunately, a lot of boys are now in this group.
0: Very good. And as a church, as you you have a, a different programs, you have your website, you interact with a lot of people, Does the church in America realize this problem, or is this rather unknown? Uh, Because you see a lot of people involved in dance, but does the church realize that there's a problem?
1: Uh, I don't think the church realizes there's a problem, and I don't think the culture of adults realizes there's a problem. And, And I can tell you why. There are three words I would throw out there. The internet, the media, and the pornography industry. Uh, when the internet came out over 20 years ago, nobody knew what would happen with the internet And in 1996 uh, the Congress packed the communications Decency act basically it it gave uh, the internet a free reign. there was no regulation for the kinds of materials that we could expose children or adults to because no no one knew what the internet would be, how it would develop, what would happen. And uh, so that gave the access to good things, good outcomes, good exposure through the media and the internet and ultimately the porn industry. And then it gave, of course, negative, harmful outcomes available to people. And I really think so many parents are so busy and actually overwhelmed by the internet and all they have to do and how kids now are so exposed to the internet and the media and the pornography industry unbeknownst and unsupervised by them that they've, they've just uh, said, you know, I can't handle all of this. And I, unfortunately, I think a lot of things have happened on the internet that parents are totally unaware of. And so we're speaking of the church, but we're also speaking of caring adults who are not Christian.
0: Right. And the culture puts so much pressure on conformity standards, the way you look and uh, activity that the parents are overwhelmed by the pressure of the broader culture, let alone Christian parents uh, a lot of times don't filter the broader culture through the perspective of Scripture.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Jesus was all about the inner life of a person changing the outer life. In other words, uh, you know, in my heart, which I have to be aware of, I make choices that show up externally. Well, the Internet is secular and the Internet and the media and the pornography industry. I'll keep those stringing those three words together. Focus on externals. And so we have to question uh, what we're receiving uh, in those kinds of messages, because actually the brain research says, um, and marketing experts know this, that uh, we copy what we see. So children copy what they see, but adults copy what they see. And it really is a grooming process that distorts uh, the good um, blessings from Jesus where he has us developing from the inside out, but they're interested in making money. They have external exposure and um, we're buying it and uh, not evaluating the differences between good things and bad things. And, you know, I have to tell your listeners, this happens all the time. And what I'm referring to is evaluating good things versus bad things. You do that every day. You choose what you're going to eat. Is it good for me? Am I going to have chocolate cake for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Well, I don't think so because you had enough life experience. You know, that's not a good thing. How much uh, sleep am I going to have? Am I going to stay up till 1am and then get up at six and allow myself to be exhausted? Uh, Or am I going to say, you know what, I'm going to go to bed at 10pm so I can wake up and have a good day. So, Adults are always making choices, and we have to bring that whole element of choice, I call it informed choice, into the world of dance because dance is wonderful. The research shows that it's wonderful for children within, when it's in a healthy atmosphere. But um, if you take your child to a dance studio that hypersexualizes uh, your child, Obviously, the the outcome is going to be
0: harmful. Right, and then uh, you know, as they copy what they see, gradually right. and subtly, it starts to influence their value system. That's right. Their choices, and then for us as Christians, as the broader culture influences our values, we tend not to then filter that through the lens of Scripture and correct where the the wrong that the culture is leading us into. And so I think we've established that there's a problem now, give your website where our listeners can get resources, because you provide a lot of resources on your website and videos right. and documentation. Uh, give the website, and then talk to us about some of the, the resources, the positive resources for dance in terms of worship in the church, but also resources to help somebody that's gone too far in the sexualization, hypersexualization of children. How can they get resources to uh, come out of that?
1: Well, actually, my website to educate parents about what's happening in our culture and understand and know the differences between healthy and harmful dance is danceawareness.com. Now, I have another website called Soul to Soul Choreography that talks about dance and choreography and worship. So uh, actually, I would have two uh, websites to direct listeners to that would be interested. I've written a book uh, called Dance is Prayer in Motion. It's on Amazon by Mary Margaret Bodden. And if you're interested in that, you're welcome to order it uh, on Amazon. And soul soulchoreographyorg has some examples of uh, worshipful dance done in a church service. And again, I, I uh, earlier mentioned that that's aligned with the sermon that's being presented And I should also say, I believe, even though I'm trained, I think both trained and untrained people can use their body to glorify Jesus, glorify the Lord, and uh, reveal biblical truth. So whether you're highly trained or you're not highly trained, I think you can uh, accrue some tools to know how to communicate to a viewing audience and glorify God.
0: Mary, one question I have is What are the educational goals of dance?
1: Well, thanks for asking me. Um, these uh, are uh, important goals because they really share the why of dance. The first and most important one is uh, that we exist to protect children from hypersexualization in adult costumes, choreography, and music. And we exist to protect the art of dance. Then we exist to create free research materials to give adults informed choices about the differences between healthy and harmful dance. And then we exist to engage in respectful conversations about hypersexualization without shaming or demonizing adults or dance studios so that there is a path for reflection and change perspectives. I want to underscore, we live in such a polarized culture that shouting matches don't help people change. So that's why I say approach your friends and educate them in respectful conversations. If they're not won over, try again a few months later or say, gee, I saw something on social media. I saw this video. Can I share it with you? Uh, When we're respectful, people are open. And then our last goal, which is so important, uh, and the reason we exist is to communicate the. Uh, hypersexualization of children in dance and its connection to the public health issue of pornography with bipartisan engagement. And when we do that, I, I really feel like there's so many caring adults who, if they're informed and educated, become part of the dance team to uh, help the culture understand those differences between healthy and harmful dance because they love kids.
0: Very good, and uh, by getting on their website, Dance Awareness, uh, you can be a part of helping uh, achieve these uh, goals that they've set, that they've defined very clearly, and if you get on the website, there's action steps you can take to be a part of achieving these goals, so thank you, Mary, for this very informative uh, explanation of your educational goals for Dance Awareness, so thank you.
1: My pleasure.
0: So I'll put those uh, web links in the notes for this podcast so they'll have uh, access to uh, those different resources, again, um, to help people develop this worship and dance, but also to correct uh, maybe where they've gone too far in the hypersexualization of their dance that they're allowing their children to get involved in. So this is is fascinating to listen to you talk and uh, to realize that there is a real problem out there. Um, Can
1: I share some of those resources on dance awareness?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: Well, you know, uh, a lot of people get overwhelmed. They just think, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to tell the differences between healthy and harmful dance. And I would just say to you, we make that really clear uh, in our resources And just over the air, as your listeners are listening, healthy dance, uh, you can recognize because a child looks like a child, dressed in age-appropriate costumes, choreography, and music, usually accompanied by a great sense of joy. And then if it's harmful dance, a child looks like an adult, dressed in adult costumes, choreography, and music, usually accompanied by adult hairstyles. And makeup. So a child looks like a, a mini adult. And we have that uh, clear definition on our website, but we have an ebook. Folks, it's free. And when I say ebook, it's only 15 pages. So it has four chapters uh, What's the new trend in children's dance? How to choose a healthy dance studio? How to avoid a harmful dance studio? And then how to approach a dance studio owner with research so that if you really like uh, a particular dance studio and you can see that the dance studio owner is unaware of the differences between healthy and harmful dance because they're like many adults in the culture, just uninformed. It gives you a way to approach them and share the information. And then we have videos uh, to share on social media from 20 seconds to 20 minutes. Uh, There is a 20 minute film where I interview experts about this issue. There are petitions. There's a newsletter that comes only three times a year. I'd invite all of your listeners to sign up for that. Um, And we don't uh, uh, overdo that. So if you sign up for the newsletter, you don't get an email three times a week. I don't know about the rest of your listening audience, but I get overwhelmed sometimes. So we send it out three times a year, but, It's written by dance educators. Uh, It's written by national experts who really know this issue. And so I think it could be very informative. Um, We have a platform right now called Share Your Dance Story, where we're getting actual real stories of young adults who were harmed when they were kids by hypersexualized dance. And we do that uh, to educate the public and help them see The research matches real people. And so that's been a a wonderful resource. And then uh, uh, we have a lot of research. All of this, friends, is free.
0: Very good. And um, the place to start is to become aware. And That's right. Once you you have an awareness and knowledge, and this is knowledge that's documented by secular research, as yeah. well as biblical research. That's right. And so I would encourage our listeners to get on your websites so and we'll again put them in the, in the notes so you have them. And just uh, give those, uh, I think, three different websites, give them again so people know where to go and they can maybe be writing these down.
1: It's danceawareness.com. And then uh, the one on worship and dance in the church is dot org, And that's spelled S O U L. To S O L E, so it's a play on words, soul to soul, choreography. But if you if you Google Mary Bodden, it'll come up.
0: Very uh, good. And you have social media accounts: uh, Facebook, oh, LinkedIn, Twitter,
1: Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you know, yeah, we have them all.
0: Just search uh, dance awareness. Just search Mary's name, and it'll come up. So this is fascinating. Thank you, Mary, for joining us. Uh, what do you, what's your message to the uh, the church?
1: My message to the church uh, and an action point to the church, as well as the secular platform, is uh, to identify the problem, be aware of the problem, make informed choices. And then I always challenge people to share the information with five to 10 adults in their relational world, because we all get overwhelmed, right? We all think, oh, I can't do anything, so I'll do nothing. And, uh, and so I challenge people, you can do something, you can do something in the church, and you can do something outside the church with friends that are not Christians by informing them about what's going on and helping them make a difference in the choices that they make.
0: Well, thank you, Mary. Uh, this has been interesting. I've learned a lot. I hope our listeners have learned a lot. You've given some great resources, so thank you again for joining this Unconventional Ministry podcast. It's a refreshing idea. It's an innovative approach. And so thank you for joining us.
1: Well, I'm happy to be here and happy to share the beauty of dance and then educate people about the harms of certain kinds of dance.
0: And again, we encourage our listeners to get on the websites and get informed and then take some action. So thanks again for joining this Unconventional Ministry Podcast. In our changing world, there are more ways than ever to do ministry. Sat 7 as a broadcast media ministry is changing how ministry is done. Through innovative approaches, collaborative efforts, broadcast satellite television, web streaming, and social media, SAT 7 is making a difference. Visit SAT7 online today at SAT number seven USA.org. To learn ways you can be a part of this kingdom work. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. If you know of an unconventional ministry approach, please introduce us. We'd like to have them on as guests. Thank you again for joining this episode of the Unconventional Ministry Podcast.